All right, good morning, IPC. How is everybody today? Great, great. How is everybody? Great, good, okay, nice, nice, nice. So Aaron was just talking about contentment there in the middle of those songs, which I guess I'll talk about that. That seems like a good thing to talk about. What is contentment? By the way, my name's Brennan. If you don't know me, I'm the youth pastor here at IPC for the next couple weeks only. But contentment, what is it? Contentment is something that I found in my life is something that I have sometimes and other times I don't. I find contentment in some things and then I seem to lose it. It's this fleeting feeling of being satisfied and feeling like everything's all good, but then I don't have it anymore and then I'm going out and looking for it and trying to get that feeling of contentment once again. So what is contentment though? Is contentment happiness? Is that what we're chasing? Because I think a lot of us, even all of us, we want to be content. So is, is contentment looking for happiness? Is it looking for uh, fulfillment in life? Is it trying to find purpose? Is that what contentment is? But what does it take to be content? And what does it take to be content, not just for a moment, not just have it for a little bit, and then you lose it. But what does it take to be content for a sustained time, for, for your whole life? What does it take to be content? Is that even possible? Hmm. Is that even possible? So we can become discontent in lots of different ways in our lives, in every area of our life, actually. We can become discontent. And I think the easiest and most simplest example to start with is with our stuff, right? So we have stuff and we want more stuff. We want better stuff. Uh, who here has an iPhone? Put your hand up if you have an iPhone. Yeah, most people here, hey, you have an iPhone. How many iPhones come out every year? At least one iPhone, if not two. Over the last 12 years, they've released 19 iPhones. That's a lot of iPhones. That's more than one per year, right? And so if you had an iPhone 5 at some point, that was a pretty good phone, right? Pretty good phone, pretty decent phone, but they release an iPhone 5S, an iPhone 6, an iPhone 5SE. So if they never released those, though, you'd probably still be using your iPhone 5 because that was a pretty good phone. Not an Android phone, so obviously not that good. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but decent, right? Good phone. But then they released newer phones, right? And then you look at these new phones and you compare them to the phone that you have, and all of a sudden, this iPhone 5 that was actually a pretty good phone is no longer any good to you because you've seen something better. You've compared what you have to what you could have, and all of a sudden you are discontent with what you do have. So if you never heard about those iPhones that increased, that, be that became just a better thing that you could have, you'd still be content. And so in my life, I think about the time that I was the most content with my stuff, just my material things was when Aaron and I, we lived in South Africa. So if you don't know me and you don't know Aaron, we, the year that we got married, we moved to South Africa and we um, did missions work in Johannesburg. And we really, we did not have much at all. Um, I think we lived that whole year on less than like six or $7,000. We, we just didn't have anything. We cooked everything in a microwave for weeks and weeks and weeks until one day I found a charcoal barbecue in a pile of trash outside of our house got it out of there, cleaned it up. We cooked some food on there. That was the best food I've ever eaten in my life. Like, really, it is the best memory of eating food. We just got this 
chicken and we cooked it. It was amazing. I've told stories about um, the shower that we had that if you touched it while you were in the shower, the, the temperature adjustment, it shocked you and it sent electricity through your fillings. And last time I talked about the, the car we had where I would have to take the battery out and bring it indoors because we couldn't afford an extension cord to keep the, the battery charged so I'd be carrying my car battery everywhere. But it was okay. And while we were there, this is actually a little traumatizing for me. Um, Aaron had to cut my hair, which... This is not easy for me. Some of you are like, that doesn't matter. But so my mom, she's a hairstylist. So up until this point in my life, no one had ever cut my hair other than my mother. And I thought she did just an amazing job, right? But Erin, she had a pair of scissors and she took three hours to do my first haircut. There was, I won't say she was bad. It was very even all the way around my head. Um, but there was a, like a, high ceiling for, for growth in this area in her life, which, so maybe I wasn't super content with that, but in South Africa, just outside of our houses, of where we lived, like, there was a constant reminder of how much we did have, because there were people living in, in shacks, they were always leaking when it rained, and it was, it was actually surprisingly cold in South Africa, like, in our house, we could see our breath because they don't have insulation, they don't have heating. So we had a space heater, so we kept warm, but there were people who couldn't keep warm. There were people who would go to bed hungry. There were people who didn't have the luxury of having a microwave, right? There was this constant reminder of how much we had, and basically everything, other than probably my haircuts, was better than what they had. And <laughs> you can laugh, it's okay. Um, but once I got back to Canada, and once I got back to just this life that we live here, that contentment that I had, it, it quickly, it went away. And I realized that the contentment that I was feeling about my stuff and my things there was, it was circumstantial. It was just because I was still playing that comparison game, still measuring what I had against what other people had. And I just, I came out on top, right? So I was content. But once I got back here, I wanted a better phone, I wanted faster internet, I wanted a better car, I wanted a nicer house. I wanted all this stuff, and all of a sudden, contentment was something that was always just around the corner for me, and I did not have that feeling of contentment that I had. And the reason I lost it is because I was comparing, and comparison, it kills your contentment. Because something's always just gonna be around the corner, something else is gonna promise that satisfaction that you're looking for. But I think most of us know, we know that stuff, it doesn't make us happy, right? We know that stuff doesn't make us happy. Um, culture even tells us that stuff isn't going to make you happy sometimes. But we look for um, this contentment, this satisfaction in other places too in our lives. So we look for it in our things, like I just said. Um, but we also look for it in relationships. We look for contentment in our achievements. We look for it in alcohol. We look for it in drugs. We look for it in sex. And we look for it in circumstances. So I think you'll be able to track with me on this. Um, you probably have the feeling that, okay, it's going to be okay, I'm going to feel okay, I'm going to feel at peace, I'm going to feel content once this test is over, once I get that new job, after I move to the new house, um, once this relationship issue is resolved, once my daughter dumps that boyfriend, I'll be okay, right? I'll be content once I'm in high school, I'll be content once I'm out of high school. I'll be content once I'm in the workforce and not in university and college anymore. Once my kids move out, once I retire, then I'll be okay. There's this thing that's out in your future that you're saying, once that thing is over, whether it's 
tomorrow, tonight, or next weekend, or in 10 years from now, that once that thing happens, I will be at peace, I'll be content, and I won't need anything else. I just need that thing. But contentment, it always has this way of seeming like it's just around the corner. It's not something that we can, that we can keep. So there's many of us in this room this morning that we say we are followers of Jesus, right? So we say as followers of Jesus that, Jesus, you are all that I need. Like Aaron just mentioned there, Jesus, you're all that I need. We sing songs like this that say, Jesus, you're all that I need. But does that feeling and that, that sentence that we say of Jesus, you're all that I need, does that line up with the way that you feel? Does that line up with the way that you act? Does that line up with the way that you think? Or is there always something else around the corner that you feel like you need to get to to feel that contentment, to feel that peace of that feeling, a feeling you have all that you need. So we're just going to let you sit with that for a second. So we're going to read a portion of scripture from the Bible from Psalm 23. Um, some of you will be very familiar with this. Some of you have probably never heard it before, and that's all right too. So this passage, um, we have a shepherd and we have a sheep. And this passage is very often used at funerals, and that's always what this passage makes me think of. Um, and we use this passage at funerals because it is such a beautiful picture of peace and of contentment. And I have two questions for you as we go through this. Two questions for two groups of people. Question number one, if you are a Jesus follower, if you call yourself a Christian, is this a picture of your life? This passage of scripture, is it a picture of your life? And the question number two for the second group of people, if you're not a follower of Jesus, would you like this? to be a picture of your life. So we're going to read this from a different translation than you're probably used to reading it from. We're going to read it from the NLT just to kind of wake us up to this passage because it is very common. So here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. So can you go back to verse 1 there, James? Second, can you read this with me? The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. So I have all that I need. So let's break this passage down. So we've got a sheep that chooses to follow this shepherd. And from what I can see when I read this passage, there is no downside to the sheep following the shepherd. The shepherd gives the sheep all that they need leads them to peaceful places, renews their strength, walks with them through times when it's tough, protects them, guides them, strengthens them. This is the sheep's life. So think about this, this passage. This is not just this one-time experience that the sheep has with the shepherd. The shepherd and the sheep, they have a relationship. They go together. And so this is the sheep's daily rhythm, the sheep's daily life. This happens every single day. Being protected being led to a peaceful place, having all that it needs. 
so what's the deal here, though? What's the deal between the sheep and the shepherd? How does the sheep get all of this? And it's simply this. Just be obedient and simply follow the shepherd. Simply follow. So this sheep's life, this is a picture of the Christian life. This is a picture of what it's like to follow Jesus, being peaceful and content and having all that we need, and all that we need is Jesus. And so this is the way that we were designed to live, following this shepherd. But if I'm honest, and if you're honest probably, this is not how our lives always feel. Because I know that my life, a lot of times it feels kind of crazy, feels kind of stressful, and there's always times when I'm feeling like contentment is just around the corner, that there's something else that I need, even though I've said, Jesus, you're all that I need. I'm still going after stuff, something else. I'm always feeling like, hey, I just need to get through this next thing. I just need to get something. I just need to buy. I just need to accomplish. I just need to get this job done. Just resolve this argument. I need, I need, I need, I need, I need. And that thing that I need to feel content It's always just around the corner, and that thing that I need, that I'm going after, is not Jesus in those moments. And I always lose it, because I talked about at the beginning, that feeling of contentment, we have it, and then we don't have it. We have it, and we don't have it, because we have to go after the next thing. And unless that thing that you're going after is anything but Jesus, we're always going to be losing that feeling of contentment and peace, because it will not last. So this passage is saying, like it says right at the beginning, all that we need to have this life of contentment, this life of peace that this sheep has, is to simply follow. So we've broke that down, but how do we actually get to this place of feeling like Jesus is actually all that we need? And I think a good question to ask ourselves is what are your eyes set on today? What is the goal? What is the win in life? And like I talked about last time I was up here, um, what do you think the goal is for your life? What are your eyes set on? Because your life is headed in the direction of your strongest thoughts right now. So if you don't assess what the win is, you've already got a win planned out in your head that you just might not realize what it is. So are you headed in the direction that you actually want to be going this morning? Are your thoughts actually serving you? So we're going to check out Romans 12, 2. And it says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So do not conform to the pattern of this world. So there are lots of patterns in this world, but what is the pattern that the world, that our culture sets as far as what it takes for you to be content, what it takes for you to find fulfillment in this life? And I would say that our culture says this, go after whatever you want to, right? Go after, go after it. Whatever it is, you go and you get it because it's out there. But the pattern of this world, our culture, so much of it, it tells us that we do not yet have what it is that we need to feel content, to feel at peace, to feel that sense of security and protection that we so desperately want. It's out there, but we have to go get it. And when we're told that it's out there and you don't have it yet, 
it develops this mindset of lack in our minds, right? It develops this mindset of I never have enough, that I always need more, that I need to climb the ladder, that I need more stuff, that I need more in my relationship. I need more relationships. I need more experiences. I need more money. I need to spend more. I need to save more. I need a different job. I need different circumstances. And if you look at advertising, which you should have a look at it, a lot of it tells us that we deserve better, we deserve faster, we deserve more stuff, um, and that you deserve a break. But whatever it is, it's for you to go after it and get it because you deserve it, but you do not have it yet. But the problem with this, like the iPhone, like the new car, there's always going to be something else that you're told that you need to go out and get. So that's why this contentment, it comes and it goes if you're chasing the pattern of this world. So something else is always going to be just around the corner that's going to promise you that satisfaction, that contentment, that peace that all of us, if we're honest with ourselves, are looking for. So we should always be looking out for the patterns of this world in our own life. So if you look at your life, whatever it is, if it's the way you do dating relationships, if it's the way you parent, if it's the way uh, you do marriage, if it's the way you handle your money, you should look at your life and be like, okay, if I'm doing the exact same thing that everybody else is doing, this should be a trigger for you to check yourself. Check out what you're doing. Is this actually God's best for my life? It's not a guarantee that it's not, but this should be a mental trigger for you to check out what you're doing with your life. So when we become discontent with anything in our life, it's usually because we're focused on the future. Because there might be something like, like the iPhone. You imagine your life with this new iPhone, and it seems so amazing. It recognizes your face. It talks to you. It does all these crazy things. The battery life is supposed to be better. And all of a sudden, you're like, wow, my life is just awful now. This phone that I have, it's, it's made my life awful. Or you think about this new job you're going to have, and all of a sudden, this job that you do have, it's not so good anymore. Or we also use our imaginations to think about, okay, things are, I'm barely holding it together today. Barely holding it together. And then you project into your future, you think, okay, if this keeps going the way it's going, by the end of next week, I'm going to be, my life is going to fall apart completely. I'm going to be living on the street. And you begin to worry. And this ability to do this is actually a very unique gift that God has given us to use our imaginations in this way. But it, our imaginations are not for worry. They're not for creating discontent in our lives. Our imaginations, they've been given to us to anticipate things. They've been given to us to be creative, to be innovative. But when we use our imaginations to create a discontent because we imagine how good or how awful things are going to turn out soon and create that discontent, that is not what God gave us imaginations for, for worry, right? Because that's what I use my imagination for probably 50% of the time, but that's not what it's for. And, but we have the ability to think about our future in this amazing way. So are you projecting fear or faith into your future? Are you thinking about um, how God is going to come through for you, how God is going to create this contentedness in your life? Or are you thinking about how Life is just not going to be great, and you're going to be lacking so much. Is it fear or faith that you're thinking about in your future? 
So worry creates an incredible discontentment in our lives. So how can we go about renewing our thinking? So this is what the second half of Romans 12.2 said. Wow, you are fast, man. Um, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what is God's will? What is God's pleasing, perfect will? And I would say it's this, to simply follow. Simply follow him because he's enough. So simple. Really not that easy though. So how can you begin to transform your thinking so that you're following Jesus in all you do and all that you think? How can you begin to transform your thinking so that you're not just chasing what you want, but you're chasing him? And I think it's this. Take things one day at a time. We want to be able to enter into that that peaceful, contented life that we see in Psalm 23. Take things one day at a time with God's grace. So God's grace, it does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. It gives us things that we do not deserve. And something that we can't seem to do for ourselves is to find this contentment, this fulfillment that all of us are seeking. So if we take things one day at a time, we can imagine, using our amazing ability to imagine, that God is going to be with us until the end of today. Right? We can all figure out that. We can, okay, yeah, I can see how God could get me through to the end of the day. I can see how God could protect me, guide me, strengthen me, and renew my strength for the next, like, 12 hours. God, God's big enough to do that, right? We can all believe he's big enough to do that. And he'll do that tomorrow because his grace is enough for tomorrow, but you are not in tomorrow yet. I'm not in tomorrow yet. And that's where this contentment, we begin to lose it because we start to focus on the future and we're not there yet. And the truth is, tomorrow is actually not a guarantee, right? So if we live seeking him today and make that the goal for today, and then tomorrow you make that the goal for tomorrow, but once you get there, and you do that day after day after day until he takes you home. And as you do this, and I, I've been working on this myself, because I can't stand up here and talk to you about something that I'm not willing to do myself As you do this, you might find that your thinking starts to shift from what you need always being right around the corner to your need being met right now in Jesus. You might move from a mindset of lack to a mindset of, I have all that I need. From discontent with your stuff, discontent with your situations, discontent with your circumstances and your relationships, moving from discontent to content. So living in that grace that God has given you today, because it's available and you have access to it, to get through today, that seems like a better way to live to me, a more peaceful way, a more comforting way, a way that I can just, I can get through that and I can believe that God's going to do that and he'll do that tomorrow and he'll do that the next day. But once you get there, and I'm not advocating not to plan or think about the future because that's wise, we need to do that, but Just focus on today. Follow him today. Simply follow. So the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. And all that I need, all that you really need, the way that we were designed to live, 
All that we need is Jesus. So I'm going to pray, and then the worship team will come back up. Jesus, thank you for today. Um, thank you that you are here and you're willing to lead us into that, that peaceful, content life where our needs are met in you, Lord. And God, I just pray for this morning for anybody who's just feeling at the end of the rope, feeling like contentment is always just around the corner, that they don't have what they need. God, I pray that um, your peace would just wash over them right now. Um, Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you that you can supply all of our needs and you will continue to do that, God. And I just pray that you um, will give us the strength and the wisdom and the discipline to just be obedient and simply follow. We ask this in Jesus' name. Stand and worship.